Welcome to Bible Near You, a Bible study program that seeks to shed some light on the Bible and aims to drive the shade of ignorance from the mind of the people across the world. The program comes to you every Wednesday at BibleNearYou.co.za at 1600 South African Standard Time. We are also available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and other podcasting platforms. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bible Near You. If you have any questions concerning the content of our show, you can email us at question at biblenearyou.co.za. Now we join our host and teacher, Lungisa Jostri. This is another day that the Lord has made, and we are to rejoice and be glad in it. It's a wonderful thing that we are able to come together again to study the word of the Lord. Uh, we are now looking at Second Chronicles, and this is session number 15. This is episode number 15, and there's more to go. In fact, we we aim to finish in December 16, 2022. That will be our 67th session, Lord willing. So we're looking uh, forward to that. So my dear friends, I just want to recognize everybody that is supporting Bible near you. I want to say thank you very much. Thank you to Brother Zakes. Thank you so much for your support, for your following, for your comments. Thank you very much to Sister Cindy. And uh, thank you very much, Brother Sipo. Thank you for your encouragement and uh, your likes, your reactions, even on Facebook. Thank you to Bafana Zulu, who always like our post on Bible Near You page on Facebook. We want to say thank you very much. And I encourage you, my friends, if you have a Twitter account, follow us on Twitter. And if you have a f- uh, Facebook account, follow us on Facebook. And also, if you have an Instagram account, do follow us at Bible Near You on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. Now, let's get to the business of today. We're looking at the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. By the way, we I think we now understand that first and, and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second chronicles, these books, uh first and seconds, they are one book. So they're just divided into two books. And so we get first and second Samuel, we get first and second Kings, we get first and second chronicles. So that's what is happening. So the history of first chronicles is the same history. Of Second Chronicles. If you want to know the dates of when Second Chronicles was written and when was uh, who wrote it, uh, the author, which is of course unknown, uh, all the, the information you will get it from the previous episode, which is episode number fourteen on First Chronicles. That will that documents the whole um, history because it's the same. So I'm not going to repeat it on this show, but if you want to catch up on that. Uh, you best uh, first start with uh, First Chronicles, because, I mean, why would you start with Second Chronicles without going to the first one first? First one first. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the business of the day, my dear friends. First, Second Chronicles, um, we're starting. So if you look at Second Chronicles, it starts with the establishment or the beginning of Solomon's kingdom. Solomon's kingdom. So in the previous book, First Chronicles, it ends with David uh, dying 
David is dying and then um, Solomon becomes the king. So now it continues from there because it's the same book. It's the same book. So it continues from there. Now what we note of Solomon in the first verse of Chronicles, it says, And Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. So Solomon being a king in Israel, it was all influenced by God. God was with him. God was helping him. God was giving him all the wisdom necessary for him to run the kingdom. And what we know about Solomon also is that he was a very devout man. He was a very devout man. He was a man who trusted in God. He was a man who believed, who made sacrifices to God. So this is what uh, the Bible says in First Chronicles about so Solomon's devotion. Um, when you're starting from um, verse 2, it says, Then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for there was a tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up from Kijath-Jairim to, to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Moreover, the brazen altar that Bezaliel, the son of Uri, and the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord, and Solomon and the congregation sought unto it. So they sought unto it. They, they, that means they prayed to God. They, they came to seek the Lord's face there. Verse 6, it says, And Solomon went up thither, to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand bent offerings. So he gave a lot of offerings to the Lord, uh, this Solomon. So now when that happened, it says in that night, verse 7, we're looking at first, sorry, second Chronicles chapter 1. It says in that night, so the night where Solomon was offering these thousand sacrifices, says in that night God appeared unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto, unto God, Thou hast showed me great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let my promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, that thou hast not asked riches, wealth, and or honor, nor the life, nor thine enemies, neither yet hast thou long life, that but thou hast asked for wisdom and knowledge for thyself, and thou mayest charge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there be any after thee have 
the like. So this is the thing here, that God is giving Solomon an option to ask whatever he wants. And this young man did not ask for riches, did not ask for many wives, did not, he asked for wisdom and knowledge. And therefore God says, then on top of all this wisdom and knowledge, I'm going to give you riches. So God granted him that. So we learn of Solomon's wisdom from, from, from the word go. So if you look at chapter 1 to verse 9, it describes the works of Solomon and how he built and how he used his wisdom. So that's what we, we learn. So just go and read chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 9, just reading of all the works that Solomon did in his wisdom. There's one of the most incredible thing that Solomon did, which actually showed the people that he was very wise king. Uh, it was when two women came to him and one of them had a child. Uh, sorry, both of them had babies, but one of them killed the baby, slept on top of the baby and, uh, and, and killed it. Now, at night, he took the dead baby and, and put it next to the other woman and took the, the living baby and, um, and pretended that it was hers. And so there was a dispute then, which led to, to that they come to Solomon to to have uh, judgment passed. And Solomon was very wise. He was very wise. So to solve the, the argument, he says, okay, this is what's going to happen. Give me a sword. Let me cut the child in half. And then you take, each will take a, a half. And the woman that was not the mother said, yes, that's okay. Uh, rather um, do that, do that king. And then the mother of the child said, no, rather just give my baby to her than, than to kill, than to kill it than to kill the child. And Solomon was, Solomon was um, discovered that, actually not was, Solomon discovered that in fact, the mother of the child is the one that wanted the child's life to be saved because no sane mother will want their child to be divided and shared with an enemy. So, and the matter was solved right there. So everybody was so um, amazed and also the people were scared of Solomon's wisdom. So we see the works of Solomon and then the building uh, of the temple, the finishing of the temple. It's incredible that the, the temple of Solomon, the way it was built, uh, the pieces, the rocks were not, were not cut or were not, uh, yes, they were not cut or designed on the on site, but they were taken from the quarry and they were prepared from there. And they were brought in and they were, they were fitted every stone in its place. Every stone in its place. They, they had a, an incredible. So there, was no, there were no sounds of tool or hitting or cutting of rocks next to the temple or in the temple. No sounds was made of, of that sort. So they, they designed all the stones from the quarry and they brought them uh, to, to the temple and they placed them each stone in its own place where it's supposed to be. Quite incredible. The man was very, very wise uh, in doing that. So now uh, you move on to chapter three, chapter six, Solomon's prayer and the glory of the Lord. Now, this is when the temple was being dedicated. This is one of the most incredible stories that I have read where Solomon was praying. He made a long prayer 
praying unto God for for to that God may receive the gift that they're giving him a temple. In fact, he says there's something that he said uh, to God in 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 one of these things. He says. He says um, here. In verse 6, verse 1, then said Solomon, The Lord had said that he would dwell in the thick darkness, but I have built a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. And the king turned his face and blessed the whole congregation of Israel, and all the congregation of Israel uh, stood. And he said, Blessed be the God of Israel, Lord God of Israel, who had with his hands fulfilled that which he spake with his mouth, to, the, to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought forth my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city among all the tribes of Israel to build a house in, that my name might be there. Neither chose I any to be a ruler over my people. But I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name might be there, and have chosen David to be over my people Israel. So what he's showing is, here is that is that God has fulfilled his promise. The promise that he made to David. You remember when we were reading Second uh, Samuel and uh, also the book of First King, First uh, Chronicles, sorry. We remember that this is where, uh, even First Kings, remember that there's a time where David wanted to build a temple from the, for the Lord, but God declined that request because David had um, blood in his hands and he had fought many battles. So he said, nope. Your son, which will come after you, he's the one that's going to build me a house. And so God fulfilled that, fulfilled that promise by letting Solomon to build the house. And, um, and Solomon dedicated the house. And also he shows that in verse 8, he shows that even that house is not really a house that's going to contain God. Because God is so great even the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. This is what he says in, in, in chapter 8, sorry, in chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 18, it says, But with God in very deed dwell with man on the earth, behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. Have respect therefore to the prayer of thy servant, to this, uh, to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayed before thee. So he also shows that if people pray and they've sinned, for example, in verse 22, if a man sin against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear and the oath come before thine altar in his house, then hear thou from heaven and do and judge thy servant by requiting the wicked by recompensing his way upon his own head, and by justifying the righteous, by giving him according to his righteousness. And if your people be put to the west before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall return and confess thy name, and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from heaven, and forgive the sin of thy people Israel, bring them again into the land which thou gavest to them." And to their fathers. So he's praying, showing this thing that, you know, if, if they will pray facing this house, even if they are taken to captivity, but if they face towards the place, uh, pray towards that house, God will hear from heaven. So he's asking if God will have respect to that house, in that anyone who makes a prayer uh, in the house, 
that they will be heard. Even uh, in verse 34, he also shows that if people go to war against their enemies by the way that I Thou shalt send them, and they pray unto thee towards this city which thou hast chosen them, and the house which I have built. Then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. So this was the prayer that Solomon was making. Now, hear what happened afterwards. It says in chapter 7, verse 1, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven, and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. So the, the fire came from heaven, it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and it burnt, and it, sorry, and the sacrifices were burnt there and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And in verse two it says, and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. So God did honor the prayer that Solomon had had. And there was a glory of the Lord in the temple. Fire came down to burn the offerings. Nobody kindled any fire. God kindled his own fire. And he received the sacrifice that the people had given him. And the gift which was the temple that people were dedicating to him in that day. Also God made a reply uh, in verse 14, he says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I shall hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So he shows that if they pray and they repent, as they pray towards this temple or they pray in next to this temple, uh, God will hear their prayer. So it's a promise that he's making. I think you'll remember that when Jesus was cleansing the temple and uh, coming in there and he just turned, overturned the tables and, and beat up um, the animals, chased them out uh, and using the whip. He said something. He said, It is written that my house shall be the house of prayer for all nations. My house shall be the house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into the den of thieves. You've turned it to the den of thieves. So you, you can see that God had purposed then that the temple would be like, the temple would be filled, sorry, the temple will be the house of prayer, a place that people will pray in. But, well, the people did not honor that. Instead, they made it a den of thieves. They were selling and they were forbidding people to come and make their prayers. They, they were calling people sins. The Pharisees were quite wicked. But Jesus came and corrected that and chased them out and, and said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. And this is the house of prayer. Also there, as we go forward with the book, in chapter 8, there are number of activities that Solomon did. Where now Solomon, uh, he, he made sacrifices. Um, he, built in, um, he had a porch there. So there's a lot of things that were going on now um, that Solomon was doing and uh, the work that he did to, according to the order of the Levites and all that, organizing himself in the temple. So I encourage you, my dear brothers uh, and sisters, to go and read. And then, and then, 
In chapter 10, we see the division of the kingdom. So we hear of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. So this is where now the kingdom was divided. When Solomon had died and Rehoboam, his son, was taking over. So there was a time where people came to him, the people of Israel, and they said, Look, the burdens are too heavy for us, which your father had laid upon us. Your father oppressed us. So would you make our burdens light? And uh, Rehoboam went and asked for counseling from the elders. But the elders said, listen, if you do what the people ask, they will be one heart with you. They, they They will serve you freely. But what happened is, Rehoboam did not take that counsel. Instead, he went to younger men who advised him and said, listen, just tell these people that you're going to make their lives more difficult. I'm just paraphrasing. I'm not saying word for word. But that's what he said. He says, tell them that my f- my finger will be heavy. My little finger will be heavier than my father's arm. That means uh, things are going to be worse for you. When your father's, he, he, he beat you, he chastised you with whips. I would do it with scorpions. So it's going to be tough for you. And the people then they rebelled and said, what have we to do with the house of David? So they chose Jeroboam to become the king over them. So Jeroboam became the king of the northern section. So the kingdom was divided. There was a kingdom of Judah in the south and there was the kingdom of Israel in the north. And there were 10 tribes in Israel and there were two tribes in Judah. There was Benjamin and Judah. So Rehoboam ruled the small portion of Judah. And the reason for this, for this to happen, it was because Solomon had sinned and served other gods. And then God said, I will tear the kingdom. I will tear the kingdom from the house of David. So I'm going to leave a small portion for David's sake and my promise which I made to David. But the greater part of the kingdom will be given to another. And so Jeroboam took over. So, and then when we read from chapter 13, we learn of all the kings of Judah. So Chronicles documents the kings of Judah. Kings of Judah. So if you go to chapter 13, uh, from verse 1, we hear of the kings of Judah. It says, Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Israel. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah set, to, uh, set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war. Even 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam also set battle in array against him with 800,000 men, um, being mighty men of Vela. So you can see that there was a struggle now. There was a fight, always a fight between Israel and Judah. So they were very not um, happy with each other. They hated one another. So there was war. So we learn of the works of Abijah. And then the next king that comes over uh, is uh, Asa. Asa in chapter 14. Asa uh, is one of the people who did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did well. However, there was a time where he actually did not did not what was right. So he started very well, but he ended badly. He ended very badly. And God wasn't well pleased with him. 
And you, you also rebelled against the prophet who came to correct him when he had sinned. And so God uh, was not happy with him. So it's very sad there. The case of Asa is a sad one. You can read it in chapter 14 of uh, of chapter of Second Chronicles, chapter 14 from of Second Chronicles. So basically, what Asa did is that when you read in chapter 16 of his acts, it says, "Yeah, in the sixth and thirteenth year of the reign of Asa, um, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the tent that he might let none go out or come into." Asa, king of Judah. It says, Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, thee, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go and break thy league with Basha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto the king Asa, and sent the captain of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Ejon and Dan and Abel-Maim and all these and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Basha heard it that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah. And timber, therefore, wherewith Basha was a, was a building, and he built therewith Giba and Mizba. And at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Israel, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. We're not the Ethiopians and the Lubims, a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen. Yet, because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth, Thou shalt have wars. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in prison house that he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people the same time. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? So that what we learn of Asa, it started very well, but then he started sinning against the Lord by not trusting the Lord, by hiring foreigners to go and fight against his own brothers. Because though Israel and Judah were broken apart, but they were same family. They were the same nation, one nation of Israel. So they hired foreigners to go and fight their brothers. And that was not good. And the prophet is showing him that, look, the Ethiopians and the Lubims were a very great host. But because you trusted God, he delivered them into their hand. Now, you're fighting against your own brothers. You don't trust the Lord to help you out. So that's the problem with Asa. And so Asa, instead of repenting and asking for God's forgiveness, he took the prophet and put him in prison for confronting him. 
So that was a terrible deed. It should not have done that. It was a bad, bad thing. So I guess we have to learn also from this experience of Asa that when God confronts us concerning the sin that we are committing, that we will repent, that we will be sorry, and we will show remorse over our own sins, and God will have mercy upon us. And so as we move on, chapter 17, we learn of King Jehoshaphat. Uh, one of the remarkable events uh, in the story of King Jehoshaphat is found in chapter 20, where there were three nations that were attacking him. In chapter 20, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some and told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great host against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Engedi. So Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So this is what Jehoshaphat did, and this is what Asa, his predecessor, should have done is that when they are attacked, seek the Lord's face. And Jehoshaphat did so. Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. He prayed to God. And there was a response. There was a response. There was a prophet who told them that they mustn't fear. The battle is not theirs. It is the, 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 the prophet of the Lord. And so God fought for them and the enemies, they killed one another. They finished one another. The only thing Israel was to do is to collect the spoils in the battle. So we learn of King Jehoram of Judah. We learn of Ahaziah, all these kings. And then there was that time we also mentioned when we talked about the book of Kings, where Athaliah took Authority. So that story, you find it in First Kings chapter 22 uh, from verse 4 to 28, where Athaliah took over, killed the sons of the kings, and then they stole Joash and they hid him so that uh, they ordained him as king and Athaliah was killed. Athaliah was Jezebel's daughter, the daughter of Jezebel and Ahab, which Ahaziah took for wife. And then Joash the king of Judah, this is Joash who was doing reforms in, in, uh, in the kingdom after Ataliah had made a mess of things. So Joash did, gave some uh, reforms. Also, there was Jotham. Uh, if you go to chapter 27, so you get uh, Jotham. He's one of those guys that did which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. So, and then afterwards, there's Ahaz, uh, also uh, King Ahaz, who, who comes to reign after that. I think also his other name was Amaziah. Ahaz or Amaziah, he comes after Jotham, that's in chapter um 28. There's also Uzziah. Sorry, there's 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 Amaziah. So I'm making a mistake here. There, there was Joash, there was Amaziah, there was Uzziah, the famous Uzziah from the book of of um from the book of Isaiah chapter 6, where it says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So 
Yeah, that's Uzziah. And then Jotham, the son of Uzziah. And then there's Ahaz. Um, Ahaz, who reigned, uh, he was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not, which was right in the sight of the Lord. So that's a guy who did a lot of things that were not good. He built uh, idols. They worship idols. He caused people to worship idols. This Ahaz. But then Hezekiah came and he did reforms. He did reforms. After Hezekiah in chapter 33, there comes Manasseh. And uh, Manasseh is a, is a very sad case. Because what Manasseh did is that he reigned, he reigned many years, but he did evil in the sight of the Lord. So that's one of those people who are fortunate. He, I say Manasseh is a very fortunate guy. Because Manasseh did which was right in the sight of the Lord, and then he was arrested. So he was taken to prison. He dwelt in prison by the king of Assyria. And then afterwards he was released. And look at this in verse 12 of chapter 33. It says, when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his, of his fathers and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. That's what, that's what happened to him. So he was a bad guy, but then he was arrested. He was in trouble. Then he besought the Lord. That means he begged God for help. He, he sought the face of the Lord. He turned, he humbled himself, and then God restored him back to his kingdom, was brought back to his kingdom. So he was a very fortunate guy. He was a very... Very fortunate guy. And um, it says here, if you look at uh, verse 19, it said his prayer also and how God was in entreated of him and all his sin and his trespass and his places where he built higher places and set up groves and graven images before he was humbled. Behold, they are all written among the sayings of the seers. So it is a true story. It is recorded by other prophets uh, of the story of Manasseh. There, how he turned and how he humbled himself. Afterwards came Amon. And Amon, well, he was a wicked guy. It says in verse 21 of chapter 33, Amon was two and 20 years. So he was 22 when he began to reign and reign two years. I'm not surprised. He was a bad guy. Didn't deserve a long life. So, he, so it means he died after two years. It says he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord as did Manasseh his father, for Amon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh his father had made and served them, and humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh his father, he humbled himself, sorry, he humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh his father had humbled himself, and Amon trespassed more and more. So he was worse than his dad. So he had to die. So Josiah his son took over. But then Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years and he did which was right in the sight of the Lord. He also brought, Josiah brought reforms. Unfortunately, his reforms were too late because the fate of the Jews was decided. 
Nebuchadnezzar was going to come and take them in the following uh, generation. So where we'll get Jehoahaz and Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim. So the, in those times, those were times where God was going to move and take these people to Babylon. So as we read uh, in verse in chapter 36, this is where we learn of Jehoahaz, Jehoahaz and Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, uh, who was the king of Judah. And then in chapter 36, verse 17 to 31, we hear of the end of the southern kingdom or when they were taken to Babylon, uh, taken to captivity. We hear here, it says, the 